This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Blue Monday special and I'm in the presence of excellence, Mr. David Johnson. How are you doing, sir? Not too bad, thank you. In a, well, salubrious, slightly seedy hotel in Sheffield. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere. Dear Amy, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Good. Wonderful. Um, we met in the summer. Yeah. Very, very was randomly. Yeah, it was in August. Oh, was it August? No, it was in August. I don't know what you So, picture the, picture the scene. Your flight is delayed. Yeah. You can't, you don't hear anything about the... Um, when, when it's coming, then all of a sudden it comes up and we're down in this holding pen and I'm bored out of my mind thinking, God, I just wish this flight would come in south of France somewhere, wouldn't it? Um, and I get in the queue and I look behind me and all of a sudden there's one of my favourite players from my favourite time as well. Just, just tell me honestly though, right? You, you're trapped waiting for a flight and you see an Ipswich fan or a Forest fan. Is, is it irritating or are you happy to talk to them? No, it was, uh, it was actually quite nice. We just had a couple of meetings in Monaco and we were racing to get back obviously for the flight and as soon as we obviously went through the airport it was an hour, two hours, I think it was nearly three hours. Oh, it was awful. Hey, but then it's like get on the plane now. So, so, so we were thinking let's just stay and then come back the next day. Oh and you were going to give up yeah, on it? Yeah right? we were just going to give up on it and just thought we'll have a night in uh, Monaco on expenses. <laughs> but no so when we went downstairs thought right we're going home now. And then I've got like a three-hour drive when we get to the end. So to bump into you, my boss was going, Blimey, you can't go anywhere. And it was just so nice to have a chat about something different, you know, instead of Champions League football, all these big club problems. So, yeah, it was, it was nice to have a little chat. Trapped. You were trapped. Well, trapped scary, trapped. Scary it was, it was only on the, until uh, we got to the plane, so it wasn't too bad. So, can I ask what were you doing in, what was happening yes. in Monaco? So, or, we, we had a couple of meetings with a few players, um... And that was it, really. We just thought we'd meet up close with. Um, their season had just started. Um, it was, I think it was come to the international break. So we just had a chat with them. And uh, just to wish them all the best. And, you know, we'll see them in a month's time or two months' time. So 
You're an you're an agent now. Yeah, so I work for an agency, and we've got a few players abroad, so we just have to keep checking up, seeing everything's okay. And so, what's your what's your role? Are you the are you the eyes? I wouldn't say just the eyes. You know, look after a few players and stuff. But when I was recruiting for Chelsea and Leicester, I had a lot of um, information on players from the age of 14 and it's really nice now seeing the ones that are breaking into the first teams and things so it's that's probably the best thing about um, you know football when you know there's a good young player coming through and then when you actually see them make their debut and and then they go on to better things it's fantastic what are you looking for in a 14 year old well it's I wasn't looking really that young but what happens is is that uh, we've sort of like in line with the rest of Europe. So the internationals are under 15s now instead of just the under 16s. So the players are getting selected for England a lot earlier and there's more of a, a club feel to it. And I was very fortunate that my son was the same age. So when I've been travelling around the country watching him or when he was playing international football, I've actually seen a lot of these players come through um, so that was probably the nice thing, and that's the reason why I've seen players come through from the age of, you know, I say probably twelve, all the way through now into the first team. How good's your son? He's doing all right at the minute. Um, he's playing very well. You know, there's still a long way to go. It's just, it it all depends who's in charge. Does it, it does it make a difference that his dad was a pro? Um, I wouldn't say so. Um, I think, well, he never watched me play. Um, I think that. That was the funny thing with your business partners. Yeah. They were like, oh, we never saw him play. Tell no, <laughs> well, they never I've seen, seen him play. Well, they, loads of time, well, they probably know. just go around doing what they do and watch you know, their, their own players. You don't really look at other players and things. So, But no, he's doing very well, and it will always depend on the managers, like the young boys at Ipswich. You know they've done very very well. That you know they've got in and around the first team, but none of them have actually jumped in the first team to keep that first team place. And it's it's no different than any other club. But some clubs just do it better than others. Why um why do football fans not like agents? Is it just them not quite understanding from the I from think the outside? That, yeah, I think there's a lot to do with um, the you know that most people think that agents take money out of the club and football and obviously they do get paid very well at the top end you know probably from the championship down no I'll exclude the championship probably from league one league two I don't they don't make a penny so the idea is to have that player who's really good in league one league two and then take him to a championship Premier League club and gamble but at the minute you know we only read about the top end you know uh, Raiola making 20, 30 million, etc. Et on, 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 on one player? On one player. You know, I think he did 30, 40 million in that window from Man United. So I think that people look at that, look at all the money's come out of the game and say, but it's the same clubs, the Premier League, that's making all the money and people say it should get filtered down. Well, it's only the elite and the elite people want it. So. It's the same in any... Yeah, it's just the top end. And agents get paid for uh, blamed for it because what clubs will do, they'll have a technical director, head of recruitment, um, loads of scouts. The scouts will uh, say, this is the player, this is the one we want, who's his agent, and they will do all the talking before they ever, ever get to um, signing that piece of paper. So everything's done. So... Back 20, 30 years ago, the first you knew about 
clucking in for you is the club will tell you right off uh, what you think now it's just done all done the other way around mm. so clubs need agents and that that's what that's the reason why they're so powerful are you allowed to say who you represent uh, not really, no. No, but where are we? We're, uh, we're next to a football stadium. Yeah. And <laughs> in Sheffield. <laughs> in Sheffield, there you go. We'll move on from that. Yeah. Um, as politely as I can ask, um, at the time you played and the level you played, yeah. is someone like you independently wealthy enough to not necessarily worry too much about work or is there still... Do, do you have to do this, or can you pick um, and choose what you do? I, I would say I'm very fortunate that I can pick and choose what I do. Are you smart with your money? Um, I think my wife was. <laughs> um, I, I don't know about me. Uh, I, I think the difference was I wasn't a gambler. You know, they probably wouldn't remember, but even asking like £10 to put in the Grand National or a pound, I think, is what a waste for. Really? Because I have no interest in uh, gambling, fruit machines, I mean, anything. So if you take the, you know, I didn't gamble, um, yeah, I brought a car, clothes were a lot cheaper, players only blew their money on gambling, drinking, and probably divorce is obviously the <laughs> biggest one. And I've still got my wife, just. Um, and I didn't gamble, and so... Been, I, I, would, I was probably sensible back then, and you know, a lot of people a thousand times worse, and I'm still married, so I've been very, very fortunate that you know the situation makes life a lot easier for when you finish. Any of your any players you played, you don't have to name names, anyone broke? Oh, yeah, most of them, really. Yeah, I, I would say, um. The ones in my Ipswich team were all fantastic. They've all done super well and they were all sensible. And that's probably where I got it from. Yeah, right. Um, you know, through being around good people, good players. Uh, they all wanted to, you know, were looking, not exactly so they never had to work again, but they all were looking that, you know, if I finish, you know, I've got a house paid and et cetera. Yeah, right, yeah. And, and they were great, great lads. Um, and then I, went, I was at Berry first. So when I was at Berry... Um, six of the lads were part-time. Really? So they had jobs. So this was league, the bottom league when I joined. So they had jobs, so they never used to train in the day. So when we started doing very well and got promoted, the club had to pay their salaries, at work salary plus their playing salaries to come in to say, to give up your job. Right. And three or four of them had really good jobs. So they were on very, very good money at the time. But they could always fall back on when they finished. They they the other go back. So I sat at the yeah. table. So I was at Gig Lane on Saturday. I've only been back once in what, level, 25 level years. So they're in League. Well, what's the bottom league? Uh, league Two. So then Division Four. League Two. <laughs> we'll talk about this in a bit because when you were there, that's the absolute yeah, peak of Berry, so isn't it? I went back through. I was invited back because one of my players that we had, um, Lenny John Rose, is unfortunately been diagnosed with um, MND, and it was a, a massive shock because Lenny was, as a player, was a fighter. You know, he was a midfield player that everyone wanted, and so when it got broke, um, sorry, what's MND? Excuse uh, my ignorance. Motor neuron disease. Oh, oh God! So, right, yeah. Um, 
you know, obviously the boy from Bolton, you know, around about a similar time. Mm. So when it came out in the uh, press, it was, it just hits home that how lucky you are at times. And you, you think athletes and very fit people are let, immune let, from this stuff. Lenny was the, the fittest lad you'll ever come across, would run through a brick wall, funny, dry, just did his own thing, and he was a teacher and stuff, so when he came in, he already had a profession. So when Lenny finished, he went back into schools and things like that, and I sat on a table, and, you know, to go back to Berry and people say it was the greatest team they've had, apart from, you know, the last success, back-to-back promotions. I think they were sixth when I left in the championship, and to be appreciated of what we did and achieved, but that day, it was so... Mixed emotions because doesn't matter, does it? You know, he, he's his two children were helping him walk God. out. He, you know, he can't hold his knife and fork properly. And at forty-five, you know, like you said, you save all your money to make life better, and that hits you. And it's a fight that you can't win. And uh, it was great to be back, but it was just the wrong time because you know, I just wish Lenny and his family. You know, to enjoy, you know, the latter bits of what there is to live. So it was, it was a sad day, but that was the perspective that on that table with. I think there's about six or seven of them still in football, but they all have normal jobs. Wow. Yeah. So interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, we were we were saying about oh, your son didn't see you play or your business yeah. partners. How would you describe yourself as a as a, as a footballer? It was that. That's interesting because. There's not many teams that play four four two. I was going to ask you, that. <laughs> uh, and I know it sounds silly, but big striker, small striker, Schofield and I ran in behind. That's it was simple. Really, that's how simple it was, and it didn't matter who I was playing. We played four four two. We played the Ipswich style of football. So to go now and say who was I like, I couldn't say. I had Dwight Gale. Um, but you're probably better in the air. Uh, see, I, I like Dwight Gale. I think he's a lively striker. He's great, comes alive in the box and things like that. It's just very difficult because I don't think I could have made it as a professional footballer now if they said, right, we're going to play 3 5 2. Do you not think you would have ended oh, up on the left hand side in a 4 2 3 line? Never in a million years. They wouldn't have shoved you out there? No, because I don't like running back. <laughs> and, 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 and even when I started off at Berry, I played, um, it was, we were like a 4 3 3 at times, um, and I was the old type of old school winger, basically. You know, John Barnes was my role model, and, you know, I was sort of like a winger. and they kept on saying to me, but you have to trap back, and I didn't like that. <laughs> so I eventually just gradually moved into this central role um, and played off a big striker. So I, I couldn't tell you that who you can watch, because they're, not a, they're completely different sides so of football. Um, I, I honestly don't think I could be given, a player now. Given your genetics, like yeah. really fast, yeah. really good spring, powerful yeah. left foot shot, did you... Did you really study, or did you just rely on um, on what you had? The, the study. The, there's so much information now about football, and you know they sit in rooms and say, you know, you need to do this. For instance, when we played at Berry, we were doing very, very well, absolutely flying in League Two, got promoted, then got to League One, and 
blew the league by storm, playing against some top clubs and etc. So the managers say, oh, lads, we need to have a look at the video. We think we could do better. So we had a Betamax video. <laughs> Can you imagine how long it took to rewind, get it back to where you needed to be, fast forward to where you needed to, hour and a half game, be the five-hour trip from Exeter back to Bury yeah. or whatever. It was awful. So the manager, he just throw it in the bin at the end of the day. <laughs> and, you know, even to get the game back then on the bus for you then to watch. And it happened at Ipswich. We used to go into Ipswich and George would pull the curtain back and everyone would slide down <laughs> like that. And he'd, say, and he'd get his curly finger and say, oh, can I have a word? And, and, you know, and we used to have to do it the week after when he got all the information, what he wanted us to look at. Oh, he'd have it in seconds now, wouldn't he? Well, that's you get it instant now, so there's more information. You so. see them with an iPad on the touchline, someone brings it over, don't it's, they? It's brilliant. Yeah. You, you've got everything. There's no hiding place now. So, you know, like I said, then it was so much difficult to uh, get all this information. So you just basically, you wouldn't even get to see the other team play. All you knew was they played this 11, three subs, because that's what the paper saw. Somebody got a seven, somebody played well. <laughs> and literally the manager would take that information and say, right, we're playing these next week. They've won the last three games. Uh, they look booming in from corners. And you'd go, right, then you'd say, you mark uh, 5, 7, 8, 11, because there's no names on the backs at the time. <laughs> and the th funny thing is, is that back then, there was no squad numbers when I was at Berry. So literally, the players could change, and you'd be thinking, am I meant to mark him this week? And it was chaos. But all you did was... The best there is attack the ball, you head it out the box, get up to the end and try and score. And your job, score. And, and just that was score, it. Yeah. My job was just to get in around the mixer. And if the cross came in, that wasn't the end of it, my manager would ask why. And football was so simple. When the left back had it and he had time in his hands, he might roll it into midfield or look something. But if he never, it was going in behind. And that was it. So when I came to Ipswich and it was footballing, it was like, been in heaven. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but, beautiful. you know, it was great. It was great. Um, can you talk to me about Man United? Are they, are they, the, are they the biggest club yeah. in the whole world? And, and can you tell me about any characters there? Man United at the time when I joined was a biggish club. What, what year are we talking about? In uh, 90, class of 92, so I was 89, 90. Right, okay. As a 15, 16 year old when I signed. So, as an apprentice, I got injured very, very early on. So, I was out for like 18 months. Um, but the class of 92 were a year above me. And when I came back from injury, uh, there was like an A and a B league. Um, and that group of players, we'd, we'd play games virtually every day. There'd be a game after every training session. And if I said that we ever, ever got single figures, we were probably happy. We'd get beat 10, 11, 12. Name and, names, name names. Well, uh, their team was, um, I think it was Kevin Pilkerton in goal who played a few games for them. Uh, Gary Neville right back, Chris Casper centre-half, or Gary would play centre-half. The left-back, uh, Swartz, who never really went on to play football. And then they had Ben Thornley, left-wing, Nicky Butt, Paul Scholes, <laughs> Keith Gillespie... Robbie Savage, and you just like, we've got to face these. Net positive or a net negative? Is this, I'm around all these brilliant players, or is this, 
I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time here. I think um, I was in a good place, um, as in the, their work ethic, uh, right. how hard they wanted to become footballers, so I rubbed off on everyone, and when they broke into the first team, the manager said, well, just look at what they did to get there, and they sort of skipped the under-23s, because they were better than the 23s. Hmm. They, he would rather them play the us, the younger under-18s, and the 23s. And all of a sudden, when the first team needed the game, they just picked the under-18s, that, that class, and literally, they would actually give the first team a game. And I think that's when the penny dropped with Alex Ferguson to say, I've got to get these players in within the next couple of years. But yeah, it was, it was a fantastic time. Um, no one sort of knew where your career was going to go, if it was going to you know, be at Man United or wherever. At the time, they were a biggish club, never won the league. And then the year when I had, I was leaving, it was the first time they won the league. So 92, that's the first year of the Premier League, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and they won the league then, and then they dominated the Premier League, mostly, for the last <laughs> so long. And then they've grown into this superpower, a franchise that they've not won anything in God knows how many years, the league, and they're still the biggest club in the world. So the people in and around the club had done the marketing, etc., and made them this super club. And it's it's strange to see that they always had sold out. They always had uh, great training facilities, but now you know football globally is just just on another level. Um, so you went off to to Bury, and I yeah. didn't I didn't realise from what you so it was a double promotion, was it? Yes, I, I knew that the obviously the season that. You came, and I've, I've got yeah. all the I've got all the stats here that you've just been promoted from the third tier to yeah. the second tier. But yeah. you went through. Yeah, it was a very manager, Stanton. Ah, oh, Stanton. Yeah. He went on to Burnley. Didn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when the reason why I went to Berry was through it was Gary and Phil's dad. Oh, Neville, Neville. Yeah, so right. Yeah, he used to. So some games in the morning, we'd play on a Saturday morning. Then we'd all go home. And Saturday afternoon, they'd go and watch Berry play, and their mom worked as a receptionist. So I think when I was coming to the end of the contract, they said, "Listen, go and play for Berry." So I ended up going to Berry. His dad was there, and um, I've never looked back. Really, it was being at the right club. Did you find it easy? Time. Oh, it, it was the complete opposite of. It, it's probably the same now of how the Cat One academies get treated to. The cat threes so you know take your own training kit uh home get it cleaned we had one kit short sleeves um and that was it and if your number changed you'd be wearing somebody else's we traveled away um on a bus and we had soup and sandwiches for pre-match and, and i'm talking exeter away uh, plymouth away um yeovil all them clubs We'd do on the day. So when I read about people flying, I'm thinking, oh, brilliant, and then going the day before. We never had that luxury. And at Berry, the the camaraderie through the players, I, I can remember we played we play in Exeter away, and I think it was about four games to go. We needed to really be Exeter to be in the top two. And the night before, the manager says, I don't want you to have too many beers. Just take it easy, because you're allowed to drink the night before the game. 
and I can just remember being downstairs and just seeing these trays of beer get taken <laughs> to the lift. That was it. The manager lost his plot, went round, grabbed the bloke, says, what room is this meant to go to? And he was going, Carter, right, that's one of them. He's off the list. And he, he was literally getting all the uh, the waitresses and barmen, telling them that they're not allowed any more beers. But then being clever, they just walked across the road to the off-licence and sat <laughs> in the room. And anyway, we, we drew that game. and But we went on to win the next two. But that was the norm. You're allowed to... You know, have a drink on the way back, and it was it was great times. And when we went back on Saturday, we were talking about some of the stuff that used to happen. You know, after the game, we'd have fish and chips. So I was the youngest. So as soon as the game finished, uh, I'd have to do my runs and stuff if I didn't get on, and then go around asking everyone. Right, it's either and chips or order. sausage and chips. So anyway, so I do that, uh, get that done get it done and they said of course you yeah no problem so as we go to the local chip shop we'd already sent through the order so somebody would do it half time so then I'd go in and I'd be sat there with the away fans and they'd be giving me pelters <laughs> you're crap you didn't get on etc etc and I thought I'm going to bide my time here and they were going oh you lot I'm going to get promoted and the lady goes uh, Miss Johnson I said yes here's your 35 bags of chips and I was sitting there and they were going we got no potatoes left and they'd be fuming. <laughs> and I'd be like, thank you, and walk out. And it was things like that. It was just hilarious. Uh, but it was great times. Really, really fun. Amazing. So you get promoted twice. Um, yeah. Up to the championship or first yeah. division, as it's called then. Yeah. Um, so this is 96, 97. Yeah. And by the start of November, you've already scored eight goals. So this yeah. is the first time... Yeah at this level. In contrast, Ipswich have won three wins uh, of the brother. They've won three from the from the first 15. And you said, oh, yeah. you're talking to me outside there. Oh, well, we were sixth in the league and Ipswich yeah. were right down the bottom. How did the... Um, how did you hear about the the interest and how did the yeah. how did the transfer go yeah, through? How did the transfer go through was I got a phone call from the manager at half past nine at night and when the phone goes back there at half past nine, you know, Lou's ringing. And I had a very good relationship with the manager. And he rang me and says, son, um, we've had an offer. And I've gone, and? He says, well, I'm basically telling you, you're going. <laughs> and I says, yeah, but what if I don't want to go? He says, I'm not going to say this to you again. He says, <laughs> we're selling you because we need the money to keep the club going. He says, you've been fantastic for us and I, I know you got it in you. And I've gone, well, where is it? He says, Ipswich. So I turned around to my wife and went, Ipswich. She went, where's that? And I went, I don't know. So he says, well, you've got to be there in the morning. So I put Where, where are you living? In Manchester, right. near the airport. So we get the map out. It's um, <laughs> so unskilled. I just had my daughter, so we had to get her in the car and take as much stuff as we could. Um, and... We got the map and thinking, oh, we'll go from here. And we think, five hours. No set, no set, no thing. Nothing at all. So <laughs> she was trying to fall asleep while holding the map. And anyway, we got down to the, you know, the, the hotel where Tesco's used to be. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the Marriott. Oh, no. I don't know what hotel it was. So we stayed there. I went into training the next day. Um, the contract was just given to me. And I did, did you have an agent? Uh, no. <laughs> and I just signed it. And... 
I turned up for training and there was a lot of young lads. And what, what age are you at this uh, point? I was 21. Wow. So there was like Kieran Dyer. There's a lot of young lads I might call three or four years younger than me because I was the youngest at Berry, And a lot of senior players, George, Alex Mathy, Margo, etc. So I was torn to... So I thought I'd just hang around with a few of the young lads. And they started doing training and... I just thought, wow, these lot are good. Really? How on earth are they well, third or fourth and bottom? I was, I was just going to ask, so what ends up the great team that, that wins at Wembley is a really, really long way off. So this is the game before yeah. you joined. Yeah. Um, Wright, Mowbray, Stockwell, Venus and Holland are there. Yeah. Scowcroft is there but doesn't play. Yeah. Dyer starts to stand up. But there's a lot of players that Burley, in the end, Cundy, uh, yeah. Williams, yeah. Dazelle's back. Yeah. Uh, Andy Legs on loan, yeah. Tanner, Matthew, Sonner, Gregory, Milton. Yeah. Um, what, what was what was what was the standard like? Could you tell? Well, Alex Matthew was the be all and end all, right? And he, me and him, I wouldn't see say sort of eye to eye because he knew that I was trying to take his place, and Gregory was there, uh, who had done very well in the playoffs and etc. So they, them two, were in front of me and. I thought I was just come to push for a first team. But you're much younger. Yeah, so they were his main two strikers, and he said to me, we get balls into the box, you know, just got to the end of, try and get on to the end of something. Um, And so I thought I'd be sub and come on, and I think it was Wolves away. Wolves away, yeah. So, yeah, Wolves away, and we kept possession very, very well in that game. And I had one chance, really. I I think I had a couple. And we scored late on. Uh, Steve Ball was playing and he was my wow. hero for the other team, so it was what great. <laughs> um, and we got, I think we got a draw, didn't we? Yeah, it's one one, yeah. So we came off and it was like a win. And we got back in the dressing room and they were one of the favourites to go up. And they, they were every year in the night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that confidence from that game, and I think I got a lot of confidence from the players afterwards that they believe that he could score goals. Okay. Because you have to win over your players first. Right, okay. And I think after about four or five games, they actually believe that I could score goals to get us further up. Well, essentially, this guy's going to make me more money. If he's, if he's scoring <laughs> oh, every yeah, week. I, 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 I wouldn't say that, but you have to earn the trust from the players. And, you know, like a simple pass up to the striker and to lay it back. I think I earned that trust very quickly. But what I found is that the players around me worked out my game very, very quickly. And just said, just get it in the box and we'll get it to you. Don't worry about coming short. There was none of this, oh, Jono, you need to do this, you need to link, you need to spin and then just Just get it in the box and literally that's where they got the best out of me as well. So... You know, I mean, you mentioned it. Ten goals in your first fourteen appearances. Yeah, never played at that level yeah. before. How, how do you explain that? Um, it was good players, um, and you know, you can probably, if you put the, all the goals I scored, there won't be any good ones. There won't be any, you know, like James Reaches from smashing him from twenty, thirty yards or anything like that. We had good wing backs, Mickey Stockwell, unbelievable professional, fitness wise. We'd get balls in, and then we had Trico, I think, came later. Mark Venus at the time was playing left back, left centre half. He had a left foot of a one. And when Matty Holland runs into the box and you know others run off, all of a sudden it creates that space for, for myself. And literally, 
Oscar and tap-ins, turning, all inside the box. And I believed that I could score goals. I never thought I could actually score that many goals. So when I came to Ipswich, everyone was going, oh, you scored 10 in 14. I'd actually scored 18 goals, I think in like 25 games. And Oh, was, if you include yeah, the other so ones for Berry. I was yeah. actually top goal scorer for both teams at the end of the season. <laughs> um, and it was literally just down to how George played. He gave me simple instructions just to get in the box. And the rest is just history. Um, so Burley seems to want to pair you with a big guy with Scowcroft, but you already, you already mentioned yeah. Matthew was there. And I remember at the time, there was always this thing from the terraces of, well, they're both goal scorers. Why don't you, why don't you play them both yeah. at the same time? I, I looked this up. You and Matthew started together 16 times that season. Yeah. Between you, scored 25 goals in 16, yeah. in 16 games. Um, explain to me playing with Scowcroft as opposed to playing with Matthew and why... Why he never seemed to want you with another guy similar to you? Alex was the number nine. He was the main man at the club. Um, obviously, he scored that goal for Newcastle. He was like the main man at the club. Um, and the manager sort of like relied on him and, you know, and stuff like that. So he, it was a competition between us both. Socially, we never socialised together or anything, but it was, I'm the top dog in this dressing room, so when I came and started screwing goals, I think I helped him raise his game, and I was never that competitive, I was the, you know, I'm going to be better goal scorer than him, I'd set him up, etc. He was very, very selfish striker, and fair play to him, you know, he scored some goals from certain angles, you know, beating Norwich, etc. And we never gelled, what we did, we just outscored everyone else we played against. So when you look at the the stats there, you think, why did he sell Alex Matthew for when me and him could have just scored goals? So you, th- that stats a bit misleading. It's yes, just, yeah, yes. Yeah, it's, it's not the fact that you two are no. He literally, um, he I think he found when we went away from home and he wanted somebody just to hold the ball up, and that's why Bam Bam was crucial. Mm. You know, physically some presence because me and Alex couldn't fight away out of paper bag. <laughs> um, and but our stats tell you that why on earth did he never keep that partnership going? And I think that's where um, sometimes it was for the better of the team. And if it was Scoey and Alex or Bam Bam and Alex, we sort of like had some really good options. Do you know what I mean? From the from the terraces, you can't figure that out, can you? We no, we don't no, we don't. We Not don't all. understand but in that. training, yeah. it just never worked. Really? We, we'd probably make the same runs, um, all sorts. It just never really worked. And me and Marcus were probably the same afterwards. Right, okay. So, you know, like you said, the stats prove that we were bad. <laughs> the stats proved absolutely nothing. Exactly. Because <laughs> yeah, right. if that's telling you something and George wasn't having it and others were... It proves that, you know, it's misleading. Check this out, right? So from when you first signed to the end of the regular season, this is the team's record, yeah? Yeah. From the day you arrived, played 31, won 20, drawn 8, lost 3, 2.19 points per game, which over a full season is 100 points, and your your championships, prior to you arriving, played 15, won 3, Drawn six, lost six, one point per game. So statistically, when you arrived, mm. the team improved by over over double. 
I think when I scored, we never lost a game. Really? Yeah. In is that, is in this the, a cause and effect thing? Or? In, no. Uh, literally, at, at that time, I can remember the games that we lost. And it was Forest, home and away. No, but they were miles away. Yeah. Right? And, um, yeah Campbell. And, and I can remember going to the city ground and I, I should have scored. We, sh we should have won. We went one up just after half-time. I think Scoey, I mis-kicked one and then air shot the next <laughs> one. And it rolled past him and he tapped it in. And then I had another chance. And I can just remember the size, the quality of players, England internationals, Cooper, Stone, Stone uh, Van Hoydank was ridiculous at that level, wasn't he? He yeah. took a free kick and... Uh, he was about 40 yards out, and I'm laughing. <laughs> Richard Knight, he should have saved that. He, he's pestering, running up and down this line, and he's got four of us in, five of us on the side, and me to the one side. And Van Oydonks hit this ball, and it's gone well wide, and it's bent, it's bent, it's bent, and it's gone to the side netting. So I turned around, and the ball was still spinning, and I thought, bloody hell, that wasn't a bad effort. Next time, he puts down the marker, Richard writes, and he just went, whoosh, and it just went in. And I turned around and I think, that's why he's, at the time, playing international for Holland, etc. I, I, I never realised how good he was. And his touch, his technique, he was... Big bloke as well, wasn't he? Massive. Yeah. He was unbelievable. And that game, and they had like Stone and all them type of players, we'd come to that level where we just couldn't match them. And in the dressing room afterwards, George tried to pick us back up, but Vina and Mogo were fuming because they, they, they thought we should have got at least a point out of it. And I thought to myself, this team's going somewhere. And it was from then on, and then we just bounced back and then just went on another run. It was great. Incredible. Um, first, first reference to the playoffs, which just right through your career so it's Charlton yeah um, they had like eight clean sheets towards the end of that oh, season yeah Illichin goal and they were a bit more that was their best ever team you think yeah that was their best ever team um, I think the year did they kick us out of it yeah the year after because they never got promoted that year that was no they beat Sunderland yes they beat Sunderland that year remember when they came back down yeah, so in the glory yeah, year, yeah. they were back down yeah. and they won it. Yeah. I still think that the, they had a little bit more cutting edge the year when we went up and they were like the winners. So this is Newton, Kinsella, yeah. Mark Bright. Fish and all that. Yeah. And uh, the Danish boy, the bald-headed one, looked like he was 40 when he was over right. 20. Yeah. They had, I think, a bit more cutting edge. But that team were very, very physical in the first playoffs with Danny Mills and a few of the others. So when we got to the playoffs, like I said, the points-wise and what we achieved, oh, it was any other league, yeah. we'd have finished in the top two. And and when we got there, it was that game where Birmingham's, Charlton's knew how to unsettle us, and they just literally kicked us off the park. Bolton were another team. And we used to go into them games and we would try and pass and pass and we would. Everyone hated playing Ipswich because we kept the ball. And even Sunderland were direct. Oh, and, God, yeah. And, and them four teams were our four bogey teams. And 
when we got Charlton the first one, we just needed a goal and I couldn't get a goal and no one else could get a goal. And it was heartbreaking because I actually believe we were probably the best team, but fair play to them. They just had too much for us. Gave everyone else a 15-game start there, didn't we? Yeah. Well, well, literally, that's what we said. And, and when George says, right, this time next year, we're going to really go for it, have a good sum. And I'm thinking, well, if we start like we did this year... Yeah, 100 points. And... When I turned up with third or fourth and bottom, and you'd been in the playoffs against Sheffield United, let's hope there's no hangover, and there wasn't. Mm. So we started this next season okay. So just uh, on from an ego point of view, you've be- oh, 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 from the start of this season to the end, yeah. you've become a million pound football player, yeah. and you've scored thirty goals, and you're top scorer from. Yeah. And the statistics would say yeah. that your signing was kind of the start of the team. How, how, how did you feel? Personally, at the end of that season. I think there was a lot of other things, other players. Because if you look at the team that started before I came, then when I came, and then the team that finished the season, the natural starting level. Right. We had a lot more energy, a lot more legs. Yeah, okay. Younger players that sort of like came through. Um, and I think that there was like two teams. And when we started winning, you know, George... George was brave enough to put Kieran, Scoey, Bam Bam, you know, Matty then grew into the player he was. And then we sort of like, George had in his head, Mickey's fine, Stockwell, we need Vino, we need uh, Mogger, we need some younger people to start. And he, he, he did that. So the start of next season, I finished the season, went with England 21s with the other three lads, and it was great. I just couldn't wait to get back the season after. But in the summer, they had a bid from Wolves um, that would have been perfect for me to go back home. Oh, really? I never knew about that. Yeah, because I'm from um, Telford, Newport, Shropshire. So Wolves is like our local big club. And uh, they had a bid of two-something million. It was Wolves, um, mate. Mark McGee? No, it was... Um, oh, I forgot his name. With the glasses. Graham Taylor? No, the younger bloke. He'd been there for years. He was, I think he was assistant to... Um, Colin Lee? Colin Lee, yes. Right, yeah. Yeah, so he tried to buy me. Um, I think they went with Nathan Blake or something later on and they ended up getting promoted. But yeah, it was it was something that I wasn't very interested in either. No. You know, Mark Venus told me and just said, oh, Wolves have come in. He said the manager said that they, you know, they were never going to sell me, but he said they made a massive bid for you. And I was like... All right, um, let's go trading then. <laughs> it was just one of them. Um, so, was a bit of a slow start. So Jamie Clapham comes in now. I was just yeah. you're just getting towards this yeah. this Wembley Wembley team. Um, slow start, no wins in the first six. Lots of goalless uh, um, goalless draws. I remember. Um, and then off you go. Ten goals in sixteen games. Um, but this season it's different. Um, you're in the top six, yeah. right from the word go, and you're a thirty-goal yeah. striker. So how does that change everything? Everyone came to Pullman Road and said, "Right, we're not going to get turned over here." Uh, so they set up a little bit differently. We found it hard to break these teams down. Um, we would, well, I wouldn't, you know, Vino, wing back, Jamie Clapham, whipping crosses in for fun, and it was. 
you know, if, if people probably tell you it was relentless pressure and we were trying to suck them in together. And some team coped. And the teams that we did play were the, ones, the better ones as well early on in that season. And it was all about timing. And it was managed kept on saying, we'll turn somebody over and when we do, we'll go on a run. And we, we always knew we could go on a run. And when we went on a run, we did. And, you know, to go on, like now... If you say in the championship, oh, a team goes on for 10 games or 20 games, it's unheard of. Mm. And we went on really good runs. And when we drew or lost, the next run was only around the corner. Uh, but so was everyone else's. Mm. And that was a problem. The oh. top teams would go five or six games, lose one. Five or six wins, lose one. Well, we would go a lot longer, but draw a few of them. Interesting. Um Bit of a weird one for you here. Between November the 15th, uh, 98, and the 1st of March, 99, um, you didn't score a single goal, incredibly. Three and a half months. Um, is this the team, because Stuart Houston's there now, is this <laughs> yeah. the team becoming a bit more defensive, or what, 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 what went on there? To, to be honest, I was crap. <laughs> um, that, that was a season where Scoey equalled me on goals, and it, it begrudges me to say that I one season that somebody else scored anywhere near what I got. Um, literally, as you said, I, I, I wasn't at the level that I should have been playing at. Um, I think becoming a bit cocky, um, probably not working as hard. Uh, but like you said, that is a long spell of not scoring. But we actually... Is that the longest in your whole... Yeah, I, I was in and out of the team as well. I think I got dropped a few times. Um but we got to where we wanted in the end. And I can remember that season thinking, you know, I think I ended up with like 15 goals, something like that. It wasn't much. 14. 14 goals. And at the end of it, I still scored more than others in that league. But Scoey scored 14. So all of a sudden we scored 28 goals. It's not really enough to kick us in there. But we sort of like scraped into, but others chipped in. And mm. that was the difference. You know, Matty, I think, nearly got into double must figures. Got double, must and then the wingers. So when you look at it, because we did end up in the playoffs that season as mm. well. So somebody must have scored. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, in January 99, yeah. Fabian Wilness and Jim Jilton come yeah. in that month, which is... Was Bobby Petter there then? Um Possibly, yeah, yeah, I think we ended yeah. the season and I think it was Dyer on one yeah. wing, Petter on the other yeah. and Magilton and Holland, yeah. so it started yeah. to... Yeah. Started to talk, can you talk about Magilton and Wilness arriving? Because they were both there then for absolutely years and both part of the... So, John McGrill must have been there then. No, not, that's oh, next right. summer, yeah. So, yeah, so when Jimmy came on loan first, didn't he? Yes, he did, yeah. So he came on loan and... And this is a very mouthy, bombastic... Oh. But, a playmaker though, yeah? The, the EK was like, he'd been at the club for 10 years. He was super competitive, um, short-tempered, a winner, and wanted to win at everything. And you come into the Ipswich team, and he sort of like bonded with all the senior players. And he used to say to them, just give it me, and I'll do the rest. And he had that respect from them. And all of a sudden, I believe when he came, training went up a notch because he demanded 
so much of a high intensity and a high level. And then other players like sort of Mauricio Trico, he then, he was unbelievable. His then training, he became more vocal as a winner. And, and then Kieran and then others and then training just stepped up and it went higher and higher. And that was through Jim moaning that he wanted to do this and, and I think it, it... But he had the feet to back it up. Unbelievable. It yeah. is passing. He's I remember a goal you scored against Watford yeah. where, I I swear, you watch on TV, you still can't see the pass yeah. where... And he's he's way back. He's like 40 yards out and you you make a run across yeah. and takes that... He just used to say to me, you just run, I'll get it to you. Yeah, it takes out both the midfield yeah, line. And he the... said, don't worry about it. Even the goal against Charlton when we beat them the year that they were going up, his pass to me was absolutely unbelievable but he would just say just run and I'll get it to you Jimmy's thing was he wasn't the most athletic he couldn't get around he was a fit lad when we used to do the running he'd come at the top end but he was like a plodder but I think he was one of the main reasons that he took training and then we started to play like that to another level and he had so much Premier League qualities you can see um, we get to the final six games of this 98-99 yeah. um Sunderland have like disappeared off into mm. the distance with Quinn and Phillips, and you're in a shootout with Bradford, and this is going to become a yeah. become a theme now, isn't it? Um, and then both sides are falling over each other to mess it up at the end. So Bradford win three of the last six, um, Ipswich only win two. Um, what went wrong here? So it was a nil-nil at home to Norwich, lost at Bolton, Birmingham, and that infamous home yeah. defeat against Crewe. But if you say then them three teams uh, so it was local derby 0-0 against Norwich top lost game lost to Birmingham um, Bolton who you're going to play six. in the playoffs yeah um, Bolton another top six club with good players we had a tough run in and Bradford they had an average run in we played the strongest teams in that run in mm. and we knew it was always going to be difficult every game was like a cup final and it was like a playoff game and it was so demanding uh, yes, some were at home, but that point took us in the top six, dropped us back out or third, and it was like that all the way to the end. But I think that we had a tougher running, and then when we got to Bradford, and you know, my friend Gareth Wally, who's playing for Bradford, he's godparents to my kids, we'd ring each other afterwards <laughs> and we'd be like, I was like, How's your game? And he's saying, We were awful. He said, What was your game like? I said, we can't get a win, we're struggling. And he says, you know, we're going to play each other in the playoffs. And I'm going, oh, I hope not. But yeah, I think we had a tougher running than everyone else. We had to play everyone. Interesting, interesting. Um, so it's Bolton this time. And yeah. you already mentioned, so Franson, Johansson, Jensen and Gardner in midfield. 20-year-old Idika Johnson up okay. front. Uh, and I think the thing people underestimate about this playoff game is right at the end of the first leg, Bolton score. Yeah. And then you get this ridiculous thing of... They, we win 4-3, finish four places above them. Yeah. They have 20 minutes extra to score an away, yeah. away goal than the team that, that finished above them. Um, this must have felt so unjust. It was... We all knew about the away goal. And I think the league uh, were trying to introduce the... How can the lower team get, get 30 minutes extra to score one, though? Exactly. And I think that they were trying to say that... Let's just abolish that rule and whoever wins, wins. And it goes to extra time and then to penalties. 
And that year was probably in my head. I was thinking, we're never going to get out of this league. <laughs> and after that game, I, I, I never contemplated leaving. Um, I never contemplated anyone was interested. But that was the year when I thought, we're never going to get out of this league. We, we, we need luck or I need to move on. Because the three teams that got relegated that year, you just think, so, well, they're the ones that can be up there again. Yeah. Plus us three that can't get up. We'd be lucky to finish in the top six. And that summer, some of the recruitment that came in never lifted us to think, oh, we're going to go back and do whatever. But I honestly thought we'd never get back in the top six. That's really interesting. It, it was awful. They, they, they were another one of the strongest Bolton teams they've had. I know they did great in the Premier League. Kevin Nolan, players like that. You go for the list of them players all played in the Premier League for a long yes, time. Yes. They, 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 they were very, well, very good. Well, Johnson for... I know. Barcelona. Yeah, Chelsea, yeah. Monaco, wherever. Um, so after the Bolton game, Kieran Dyer is sold. He leaves, yeah. he's 20 years old. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned this is the money. How, how yeah. good was Dyer? He was excellent. We never saw the best of him. I think Newcastle saw the best of when him. When he comes to be number eight. Yes. Yeah. We saw this energetic lad who was. Wing back, winger. Everything. Yeah. People just say how good I said he can play anywhere. I said he could play up front if you really, really asked him to. And he was just a kid. I believe he had everything. Um, off the field, um, now he's tame compared to what players get up to now. But then, go to a nightclub and Kieran would be next to the jukebox machine like this, putting his money in gambling and stuff. You know, he never hurt anyone else. He just used to go out because he was young, immature. Um, Small town boy as well. That was his dream, playing for his hometown club and from all the years of what they'd won stuff, for him to do what he did, him, Richard and Scoey, I can't imagine how pleased and proud and, and all of a sudden, everywhere he goes, people knew who he was. You used he, to see him just walking through the town centre just yeah, on his own every day. But he you? wasn't just an Ipswich player, he was an England 21 player. He was touching the first team squad at the time. So... When they sold him, I never believed it was a big loss through we had Jim uh, and then when he brought in Jermaine Wright and a few others. I just thought, good luck to him, we'll find a replacement because we never saw that Kieran Dyer mm. number eight. Interesting. So you spoke about this recruitment. So this is the the final yeah. the final load now yeah. of this great team that you played in. Yeah. So in comes McGreal, Jermaine Wright. So it was it was Holland first. Yeah. Then you, yeah. then Clapham, uh, Magilton and Wilness. Yeah. Did, did it feel like the standard was just going up and up and up as these guys um, came in? John McGrill was an interesting one. I played against him several times. Did you roast him? Trambeer. That was one of my lucky grounds. Oh, it? Just like this place out here. That I always scored. This unnamed ground in yeah. Sheffield. And, <laughs> and I always had a good game against him. Do you believe in that? Oh yeah. Really? Wow. Oh yeah. And so when he came, I didn't think everyone's going, who's this, etc. But you go around all of our team when they all turned up, Mark Venus went, who's he's a reject from Wolves. Um, <laughs> you know, Matt he was a young lad from Bournemouth. And you go through all of them and, you know, Jermaine Wright, Laddick Crew, and you're thinking, Alright, they produced good young players, but they'd all had rejection somewhere so when they came in I just thought we're starting to get younger 
that 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 was in my head. The senior players have eased out a little bit more, and I can just remember going on pre-season and John McGreal fitted in. Unbelievable. Was he better than you thought he was? I, I, what I thought John was very very good at was John played to his strengths. Stay stay in your own lane and. And yeah. John never liked being dragged anywhere. So what John did as a captain leader, he made the fullbacks come in and say, if the ball comes in, I'll let it out. And Mogger says, that's not a problem because I'll let it out as well. And, and Vino and all of them were so happy, good defenders, because they were happy to defend. But when they got the ball, John McGreal would look up, give it to Jim or give it to Jammer or give it to Vino and we would get playing. And then he'd sit there and organised where he did Cigar, he, he never ran forward I don't think he scored many goals did he no certainly in that <laughs> so in that great season no George and Charlie Woods they had an unbelievable eye of how to make a great you know watch even better and all they did was add a little bit better in each little cog and that year I just found that we were better away from home we'd pick up results but I never knew where it was going to take us. So the big surprise we all got as fans is we, we show up for the first show up for the first game and James Scowcroft is in midfield, having played up front the whole time, and you're up front with Richard Naylor, who we thought was a was was a substitute. I can't actually remember. And who was the first game? Forrest, David Platt's Forrest. Oh, right, you mur- yes. murdered them. Was yeah. that the first game of the season? Yeah, yeah. First home game, wasn't it? I think was we... there an away game before? I don't know. I, I, I think that was the first game. I can remember you going... You were there. <laughs> yeah, I can remember going to that game and they'd spent big money. Yes, on loads of Italians. Yes, and this is when my head was thinking, the three clubs that have come down have absolutely killed us because the, the best teams, in my belief, and you'd have seen a lot of games... Didn't go up that year. No. So all of a sudden, it wasn't six. It was like ten teams. So when Forrest came at home, they came in the fancy tracksuits. They had their own kit. The only thing I hated about playing an Ipswich player was the the kit made by Punch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was horrific. We should have had something glamorous like Adidas back in the day. But anyway, I can remember them coming in. They had all the fancy kit and everything. They had these Italians. They had the ex-players, Dougie Freeman, etc. They actually thought they were going to come here and play us off our own field. And we just got stuck into them. And I can just remember Vino saying to me, get at him, get at him. And me and the one Italian, the other one, were going at it constantly. The ref was giving me fouls and he was chirping in my ear. This would have been his debut. Yeah, and I, I was thriving on this new team. We we were playing unbelievable football. I can remember Matty running past me into the box. Jim was giving it short. We had, we so, we, we had so much energy and they literally couldn't cope. And as per usual, ball went up to Scoey, he flicked it on. And I volleyed it in, and I think me, Bam Bam, and who was it? Did Sko score the third? I, th- I believe he did. Yeah, yeah and I th- and so attacking though to, to take a forward out, yeah. and stick him in midfield, and play still with another two. That was the statement that year that we meant business, and it with the feeling after that game was. This is our year. It's going to happen. This is going to be our year. And but, but what about this? You you absolute man possessed it. Eight goals in the first 
seven games. Yeah. Um, I remember Barnsley, we beat six. Yeah. I remember turning up at, we always thrashed Swindon, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. And you I scored, scored a couple, couple on Sky. A couple and there as well. The game against Barnsley, I think I scored two. Who ultimately would, yeah, we down the road, game. yeah. Their team was their, they keep saying, it. yeah. That was the year when they just had a reunion about all their, the, the team when they went to the Premier League. And you look at the experience they had in that team of Jeff Thomas, uh, Chettle, Higner, yeah. uh, the old Shipley. striker, Shipley. And you're like, they're not bad. <laughs> and what I found when we played Barnsley is that they tried to play like we did we had more legs. Right. And so when we played them at home and beat them 6-2, I can remember, you know, Chet's always says to me, even now, he says, you didn't mean that flick around the corner. I said, no, I didn't, but it was great. <laughs> so we'd, we, we, we'd beaten another team that I thought would be up there. Um, and I, I was just on a purple patch, as they call it. Yeah, did, talk to me about this Bolton goal there, because this is probably your, your best goal for Ipswich, isn't it? So we're playing... Bolton at home in September. We're defending a corner. You don't even remember it, do you? No. Ball goes. The ball gets cleared. Goes up in the air. You do. A re- you're about on halfway. Ridiculously head it over someone who's probably about a foot taller than yeah. you. Then Franson's been left back because he's yeah. he's not going to go up for the corner. And you're one on one with him, and you actually leave him on his ass. He falls over. You go in on the keeper, take it round the keeper. Probably runs. Yes, that's right. I can. The reason why I can remember that goal is to be fair to just lost to him in the playoffs. Bam well. bam. He could have actually scored at the end. I took a heavy touch to take it wider the goalkeeper and he actually stopped and let me actually tap it in he's like Paul Skulls in my yeah, yeah. <laughs> well I wouldn't have killed him he kill me <laughs> I'd have let him have it actually so yeah I can remember that game and, and I think it was sweet revenge for what happened in the playoffs and, yeah, just... and like I said I look back in the championship for the last 20 years since you know both teams have got back I believe Ipswich have one of the best ever teams that have played in the Championship. I think Sunderland's Phillips and Phillips Quinn. Quinn. Um, and, you know, the modern ones, you know, Fulham that year when they had Sahar and etc. Mm-hmm. And we were one of the best ever. And our points tally every year tells you how hard it was. We were hitting 84, 86 and missing out. Yeah. And it shows you that that year was our year, and you know we we, we just had this. I think, I think arrogance about us at home that we could beat anyone, and then our first loss was brought us back down to earth again. <laughs> um, that that month, there's this really weird thing about your international. Um, yeah, what on earth happened there? So, I was talking to somebody about that the other day. Um, so you were eligible to play for five different teams. Sort of. <laughs> what happened was, because I was born in Jamaica and then moved here when I was four years old, I had a British passport, um, didn't know where one was, never met her in my life, she died when I was very young, and my eligibility was I could play for any of the home nations. And so that was basically it. So after I went to... England, I was called the England B team. Uh, I went on a train just before France. I got asked to go to play for Jamaica in the World Cup. There was probably a regret now, but you know, 
at the time I thought I could have played for England. And I turned up at England B team, Glenn Hoddle was the manager. Oh, wow. And I think in our B team, Stan Collymore <laughs> and... Was this the one where Chris Sutton refused? Yeah, Stan Collymore and Chris Sutton refused. He's so, a prat then as well, so wasn't he? Eh? I got <laughs> invited in and there was myself, Emil Heskey, Steve Sutton, Teddy Sheridan, Paul Merson. Wow. Um, in the bomb squad. In the main squad were Ian Wright, Andy Cole, Alan Shearer. <laughs> there was 11 strikers. Ferdinand, and Sheringham. Yeah, and that's when I thought, i give this a miss, this England lot. And that's the reason why I decided that I could play for another team. And and I had all these great so, players these, in front of These managers all phoning you up. Yeah, so Craig Brown turned up at my house. <laughs> it's the most Craig Brown. So I... Let him in, and obviously we had a meeting. And as he came out, the press were outside. And so the reason why it became a story is because he asked me to play for Scotland against England I'm, in the playoff. When, oh, you know, in Paul Scholes, Scholes yeah. header. I remember you going through an airport and yeah, so like, it been packed. Yeah, so I then went up to the Scotland. Obviously, it caused uproar. <laughs> I don't think it was much about my colour. It was literally caused uproar, and. I think it was the first... Well, it wasn't, because Republic of Ireland, half their team had never even been to Ireland. And they went to the World Jack Cup. Show, yeah, yeah. So everyone was exploring different options. And I went up there, and I just thought it wasn't the right time. So I just said, wait till you get knocked out, and we'll look at it again. And then in the next month, Wales then came, Mark Hughes, as I knew as a player, came in... And I actually was getting changed to get on the bench when I decided this isn't right. And I came home after that and thought to myself, I can't use countries like football clubs to go around, have a look and to get all this in. So I decided that to play for my home nation, Do you Jamaica. you feel Jamaican in your heart? Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, I was born there and I went back and I just thought to myself that Short term, they'd have probably been better off, but long term. And then I went to Jamaica, had a great time, scored a couple of goals, but the travelling was just terrific and I decided that it was messing around with my club career, so I quit very quickly. Amazing. Right, let's try and get up to these playoffs. I've got so, so many notes. Are you called again? Um, so, there's a bad run and Gary Croft comes in and then Manu... That was the Man City game. That, that game was just on Twitter. Crofty, wow. When he came in, it was another one where we thought, our squad's only getting stronger. Great two feet, could play left back, right back. Emmanuel Petit. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you, because this is where I think they really became a promotion team. No offence to Manu 13, yeah. but Mowbray comes, it's taken from being a coach and put, put back into the team. Um, well, Manu couldn't speak English. Well, you can say he was the best person ever on a night out. Right. We would go around the dressing room. Does anyone fancy going out for a few drinks? We need to relax. Yeah, no problems. We'd just say, and it's like it's an open invitation. He would turn up, and we're thinking, how does he know we're going out? <laughs> so he stood next to us, and he'd go. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You in?
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Big, big guy. Massive. <laughs> Bigger than the doorman. And it'd be like... Uh, rum and coke that's all we got from him and he came in and brought an edge of his tackling in training what we did was I would stand out on the wing and George was going Jono get yourself down there and I'd look at him and think are you mental and he'd just start laughing <laughs> he would literally George would just go okay fair enough and no one ever wanted to come so then Mogger had to come back and to help us out, literally, because the communication with... Oh, you think it was a communication thing rather than a talent thing? Well, if you can't... Like John would say, John would play, do the basics. And my fact is, Thor... He but the could, whole time he was talking to the fullback and Yes, and moving but he around. would then dribble it out, go forward. John would be looking around, where is this? <laughs> but no one dared say you big so-and-so, get your ass back in. And even after the one game, George had a go at him. And he got up. He got up to, like, get himself a trick. George started backtracking. <laughs> and he just I thought he was going to hit me there. And we just started laughing. So Mogger came in and sort like, marshalled and helped everyone out a little bit because we needed that little bit more experience because I think we went too far over the edge of young, hungry, young players, athletic we just needed a steady of, head. Yeah. Um, so Mowbray comes in and you only lose, you talk about these runs, yeah. three out of the next 23. Yeah. Um, and it's just so weird that the one season, Sunderland go off into the distance and you yeah. shoot out with Bradford. This yeah. year, Charlton go off into the distance yeah. and you're in a shootout with Joe Royal's uh, Man City ahead of the Big Barnes- yeah. ahead of the Barnsley game, uh, February 2000, Burley makes the move that Bradford did by bringing in Windass. Yeah. So... Marcus Stewart comes in. Um, how, how do you feel when, when he arrived? Did, did you think th- this guy is out for my position no, no, here? No, or do you think I can all. work with this guy? I think we played Huddersfield. Um, I think they got to the playoffs the year before. Yeah. And or, or something just like missed, that. Yeah. Oh, just missed that. And he was scoring goals. And when they brought him, it was great. Like, 
with me and Alex when I came, Marcus was great around the dressing room. Uh, Marcus found it difficult in training first through... Um, Marcus is a super intelligent footballer. Off the field, sick <laughs> uh, And he loved the ball into feet. And I watched him, how he played, and his movements. And, and I was good in the air. Marcus was very good in the air as well. He sort of like hung. But what Marcus did, he always got that half a yard in front timing, of people. Timing, his timing. Yeah. And he sort of like hung a little bit longer. And... I learned a lot of him. So we obviously went on this run and when he came, George did just throw him in, you know, to say you two can play. So it was you, Stuart and Scarecroft. Yeah. So neither misses out. Yeah, so all of a sudden we were all trying to work out how it was going and then George Two left footers as well. Yeah, and George just made that brave decision that, you know, I can't have three players, but Sco was dropping and he I think he dropped Marcus for one game. And after that, we, 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 we end up missing out. But I think Marcus was that lift we needed to actually believe that if we went to the playoffs, me, him, Bam Bam and Sko would, would bring enough goals. Because defensively, I think we were getting more solid. I just thought he was the last string to our bow. You know, squad really. Mm. Because everyone ever said, and you know, this is not being big-headed or anything... I said, if I ever got injured, who'd score? And I believe that he was the person, and he obviously went on to be, is that, that if I got injured or anything, he could step in and, because he was a natural finisher. He was a fantastic finisher. Mm. Um, so a bad run of no wins in five throughout March gives Man City the advantage. Yeah. Reached the final day of the season, we've won six in eight. You just the goal you mentioned against Charlton, you hit your twenty first yeah. of the season, so you're back up on those huge high figures. Um, I think you're all a bit pissed off because Man City beat Birmingham and they're celebrating on on the pitch, having not been yeah. promoted the week before. Um, and let, let me take you through the timeline of this final day because from the stands, I don't know how it was on the pitch. This was ridiculous, emotional. So. Man City are at Blackburn, and we have Walsall at home, and Walsall are yeah. going to be relegated pretty much. Hold on. If you go back to that, Man City at Blackburn, who haven't been beaten at home, okay. I think, all season. I didn't know that. Wolves were playing Bradford. No, that's previous season. Oh, was that the previous season? Yeah, so that was the two. So we're thinking, with Blackburn's money and what they've spent, they're going to at least get a draw. Yeah. And then all I could see... Radios and everything coming, and our game phones, was like a non-event, as in the everyone expected the game to go. But when I think I scored early, didn't I? No, so it's half. T- we get to half time, and Matt Janssen scores for Blackburn. So Blackburn are winning one yes. nil yeah. at half time. We're nil nil, and uh, going into the second half, knowing oh, that against Warsaw. Yeah, knowing oh, that. I didn't realise. I thought forty nine first half. Yeah, forty nine. You scored. Yeah. So and then. I think within a minute, uh, Ashley Ward hits the post because we're all getting this. For, <laughs> yeah. We're all getting this. We're interested yeah. in the game. So you then score, and I mean, you see, you're a chilled out guy, aren't you? Yeah. You know, That's and normally when you scored, you're kind of like, yeah. But explain to me this reaction yeah. when you scored. I, I can remember the corner coming in, 
It's a gnarly girl, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> one, one of my favourites. <laughs> so it was, there was a corner come in and I knew that everyone kept on saying, we're promoted, we're promoted, just just keep it going, don't let them score, don't let them score. And then a roar went up, not long before, obviously. That was the guy hitting the post, yeah. it? Right. And then we're thinking it's 2-0. And then straight after I score, and I think so, I've just scored the goal to get us promoted. And I'm jumping up, I'm really emotional. Everyone's jumping on George and around the thing. I've and never then, seen you celebrate a goal no, like that. And then it yeah. just all goes... There was, some, there was something in the air, wasn't it? They, oh. It's one of those like football manager games where one team has four shots, the other has 20. Yeah. And, and I think that's what it was, wasn't it? Man City had like four or five shots. But they would have scored some great goals. Counter it. Well, it's, it's Mark Kennedy who then yeah. played for Ipswich, had like the game of his life down there. Yeah. And they had Gota and yeah. Dinkov. And then it just swung from... I, I can remember the last 15, 20 minutes of that game. We just... No one was interested. The game no. just got played out, and and I think the fans had a bit of a party atmosphere because they thought we would have done it. and It was going to be the year, and I can just remember walking around, and and everyone was like, "Oh, it's not going to be our year again," and going into the playoffs, and then it felt so flat after that game. And in fact, I don't think anyone was actually looking forward to the playoffs. No, um, and then we get. The ridiculous. So this must have been weird for you because yeah. fourth year, third year for you in the playoffs yeah. in a row, fourth yeah. year for Ipswich, yeah. and you're off the pitch after 33 minutes injured, and we're two 0 down. What? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's Bolton again. We're going away and massive game, and I think I collided with the goalkeeper or something happened, and the pain was in my shoulder, and I tried to carry on for and I literally couldn't and I thought I'm not going to try and be a hero so you got Bam Bam Marcus Stewart Scott Royce is there now Royce well. is there we've got loads of other options so I got taken to hospital so I've gone to hospital and oh you left the stadium did you? yeah so I'm in hospital and the TV's on some old blokes watching the Bolton game and I just <laughs> see these two goals from Marcus oh my nowhere God. and that was the day that Marcus Stewart arrived at Ipswich Town. And his first one was unbelievable. And his second one, how cool and calm. Oh, my goodness. And I just thought to myself, I need to be back in that game. And they were saying, we're going to have x-rays, etc., etc. It's really badly... This is your shoulder, is it? Yeah. And I said, how many painkillers can I take? Will I be alright? <laughs> and... I, I then get picked up to go back on the bus with the lads and the atmosphere in that bus was great because we're going, it's our year, we've got the away goals, we're gonna get we're gonna do it. And everyone was buzzing and you know, obviously Priest Marcus and stuff, so yeah, it was a, it was probably the best game for me that, you know, watching wise, because I just thought our comeback was brilliant. I actually thought we were gonna go on and win three two. Um I think we missed a couple of... Yeah, couple of that, was, chances, that was the yeah. way the team was, wasn't it? Uh, you're back for the second leg. Uh, there's, there's there's nothing else anyone can say about this game. It's yeah. the it's the greatest thing... Best I've, game I've ever been involved in. I know the playoff final was the pinnacle, but as a game, it was the best game. And the fans who actually came to that game, the emotions, the roller coasters of sending us I think it's so much drama and 
people you know probably say apart from the Charlton Sunderland playoff fire that was the incredible so um you played Magilton in to win the first penalty. Yeah. Um, you set up his second goal and you yeah. win the third penalty yeah. for Clapham as well. Yeah. So you're not on the score sheet. Yeah, it was a game where, you know, I think my record was I never scored in any of the playoffs games. Um, and it Until was, Forest. Yeah, so it was plain on my mind that I hadn't scored. Um, but it wasn't about me, it was about the team. And like I said, that. I can't remember the score and things were coming on and we're winning, we're losing, we're going to oh, be it was, out. It was literally 1-0 Bolton, 1-1, yeah. 2-1 Bolton, 2-2, 3-2 Bolton, 3-3. I can't ever remember Bolton going ahead. I they were hit three times, weren't yeah, they? But I can't remember that. All I can remember is that we just kept on scoring. <laughs> but now, like you said, it, I think it was the best best game I've ever been involved in. But forget that, this is what I always say to people, we had um, Rob Chandler, the announcer yeah. uh, for the stadium um, yeah. on here the other week. Um, I say forget the one-off game, for, from a fan's point of view, this was a four-year, yeah, oh yeah. this was the payoff to a four-year This is like the story. Olympics gold medal. Yeah, like exactly. I never made this, I wasn't there when they played Sheffield United and they got beat comfortably in that day. That was four years of knocking on that door and Everyone wants to get to the playoff final. Everyone wants that day out. And what Jim and the rest of the lads achieved that night was like four years of... And I can just remember everyone running on the pitch. It was it was unbelievable. It, it was emotional. Uh, we went out afterwards, but so did everyone else. I don't think many people turned up for work that next day. And it was like, that was the moment. And it was amazing. So talk to me about Wembley then, firstly about your, your hair and then about your, your very, very short game, which I think we're going to do Twitter questions at the yeah. end, but someone has asked about this, I'm preempting that. Yeah, um, we, we, we got back to it after we had a couple of days off. Um, because I think there was like 10 days yeah, between 10 days, long time, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. And we had a couple of days off, we got back into it, end of the season, the sun was shining, there was a lot of press, we were doing stuff all the time, and we were having... We were leaving to Wembley on the Thursday or Friday before the Sunday game. Is it Sunday? Yes. Monday. Oh, then back Monday, Monday, Monday. Yeah. So we were spending the whole three, four days going to watch the finals and stuff. So we had the 11 v 11 against the team who was starting. We were all so confident. We knew we were going to beat Barnsley. We, would have have to, we, we knew we were going to outscore them and it was going to be a high-scoring game because... The 6-2, when we beat them at their place, when they tried to defend, I think we beat them 1-0 or 2-0. Yeah. I scored from a corner, set piece. We'd done so much work on playing, and I can just remember that Vino rolled the ball into me, I turned uh, Manu or somebody, and I just felt this pop in my car. Before the game? Uh, on the Thursday, and I went off, and I couldn't stand... And they were, and they sort of like knew when they were the pressure. They said, "Listen, just keep taking painkillers, have ice." So I never trained again. Really? What from the Thursday? No, from the Thursday, Monday morning, uh, we got up around Wembley. I'm still limping. Uh, Bam Bam knew. Everyone knew. Um, and they said, "Listen, we'll have a, a fitness test." And George Burley's fitness test. <laughs> 
you know, John Walker will be the best example of that. I think his fitness test, he ran down the corridor and he slipped his arm. So that was literally the fitness test. So I had a fitness test and I was still struggling a little bit, limping, but I was... And he said, no, we're going to go to the game, get the adrenaline, go around and let's go for it from so then. desperately wanted you to he, play. He just said to me, you will start the game, it's down to you. And I can remember that I started the game... I had a chance after about two or three minutes, turned, shot, got blocked, and it got picked up by the goalkeeper. And as I got up from there, and I ran back, and I was hobbling, and I just thought, it's not about me today. And I just said, just take me off. Really? And, that was your call? Yeah, and I walked off, uh, sat on the bench for a little bit, thought to myself, if we don't win today, is this year that I'm going to eventually leave the club? Um you know, how many more... I, I was just all over the place. And then, eight-odd minutes later... Is that the painkillers as well? Yeah, <laughs> I, I was obviously devastated. My whole family were there and, and extra, but like I said, 80-odd minutes later, I'm sprinting around the field, <laughs> um, jumping up like a lunatic, and I've got a sore calf. And like I said, that was an unbelievable day. I never felt part of it, even though I started oh, again. Yeah. But... It was the end of a long season that I contributed to, and I just think it was, in math, I think it was for 25, 26 goals. Uh, Marcus was fantastic in the playoffs. Bam Bam. It, every, oh, he had the game of his life yeah, after every, you went off. Everyone played to their maximum, and it was an unbelievable day, and probably one of the best days in Ipswich I've had in a long time. And, like I said, people forget that I went off after because everyone else, you know, stepped Ross, up and etc. So it was great. It was brilliant. And and if I could say to any other team that I get promoted, my two years at Berry were amazing, and we won the league and came second. Winning the playoff final is the best way to be promoted if you can guarantee it. Mm. Um. Into the Premier League we go, Bryderson comes in, Bramble becomes a first teamer, and for the first four games, it's Johnson yeah. and Stewart, front yeah. two. Um, in the draw against Man United, you set up Wilness and yeah. pretty much do everything other than score. Yeah. Um, Bartes tips one over. Sunderland, you've got one disallowed for offside, yeah. and you hit the crossbar. And then there seems to be this big sliding doors moment against... Yeah. Against Villa, so this is September the 9th, 2000. Scowcroft comes in yeah. back alongside you, yeah. and then you're substituted. Stewart comes on and scores, and then the next game is Stewart and Scowcroft, um, and they go they go off yeah. crazy. Yeah. Is this wrong place, wrong time? Um, yeah, I, I think that um, I knew, I, I, I think. I could have scored those goals in the Premier League. My podcast partner, Dave, yeah. has the same theory that you do, actually. If that goal wouldn't have hit the post and gone in, I would have been the one um, confidence, etc. We, By the time Villa game came, um, we were obviously near the bottom. And that win, or draw a point, made George think, right, I'm going to go another way, give Marcus a chance, and then obviously went on to win... And then his confidence and the whole team's confidence goes sky high. George was George. Never changed a team unless he had to, unless it was an injury. And I missed out through that. Um, 
I never thought I was a bad player. I knew that I was a good player. But the little bit of luck that, you know, just changes things. Even we played Bradford away. And I know I've got 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. I can remember having a header and it was going in. The keeper pulled off an unbelievable save, tipped onto the post. Walsh. Yeah, and then Spurs at home, Boxing Day. The ball come across, it bobbled, it, I missed it, and then somebody at 3 or 4 nil. I think we beat Spurs. And nothing was going right for me. And, you know, as I after that game, I was going upstairs to meet the family and obviously in my heart it was hurting not playing and I bumped into David Platt and he never really said too much he just shook my hand and says oh unlucky today uh, and that week afterwards or not too long afterwards I was going to go to Man City um, and it was the deal was done but then we ended up playing them in the League Cup, yeah. and they wanted me signed not to play against obviously them, but they wanted me signed to play in the league. And we ended up beating them. And George says, No one's leaving until um, he decides. So, being stubborn, and I don't blame him. Uh, and so, Man City brought Darren Huckabee instead. And then I joined, not long, I left not long after that. So, um, I just went in to see him and said, listen, George, I says, I'm frustrated because I don't think I've been a bad player and I've been a good servant here. Um, I'm unfortunate. I'm not saying that I should be playing. I never once said that, and he knew that. And he said, if it was anyone else, he said, there'd be no chance. He said, because you've never let us down and you've, what you've done and etc." Um he brought Alan Armstrong and we're on the way up here, he says, yeah, he says, um, I'll shake your hand and you can go. And I did. And that was it. Probably the wrong time. I should have stayed all year and then then looked at it the year after. But with all the financial trouble and stuff, I'm actually glad when I did get out because, you know, a lot of the players are classed as greedy and when they're in that type of things. And, they, you know, George gave them these good contracts and stuff. And and it was horrible the way that Ipswich fell out of the Premier League because how they got in there was amazing. Mm. The year what they did was unbelievable. And then to take them into Europe and then, what was it, it's from October till the end of May, they've never been back in. And it was, you know, to go through uh, administration and all that type of stuff. It, it was awful, wasn't it? And, and as a fan, I felt for them because it was only 14 months, 18 months ago, mm. and they were having the best time of their lives. This, this just hurts my head, though. So you've gone from signing yeah. at, the, at the bottom of the league in yeah. 97. Yeah. You score 30 goals, then you score 14. Playoffs, playoffs. We said... Yeah. The, the upsurge happened when yeah. you came. You scored 23, I think, the next one, yeah. and then it's promoted. We played four games, four. Yeah. Four games in the that, Premier that's League. That's it, four. Four. Um, then you're, you score three in the League Cup. Yeah. Alan Armstrong comes in, um, and in that Spurs game, you say uh, you missed a chance. He actually scores in that game yeah. as well. Yeah. I... 
I don't un- I don't understand why you, why this happened so f- we, we, do, do you feel like I, you would I, I, I don't, discard no, no, no. it I only just signed a new contract really this summer yeah um, soon as playoff ended me the young lads yeah, new deals etc hey right so, yeah everything was brilliant um, and four games but after all those goals but I don't worry about that because George made that right decision and George's decision was proven correct. Marcus went on to do brilliantly. So I'm never bitter about, in my head, I just think, I can't believe I'd ever scored in the Premier League and I was lucky. I played four games. That's four games more than most people or 400 games more than some people who never played. I was just unlucky. Um, but it's so, just, so the, the, thing that, the thing that just baffles me is how fast it, it just went. It went from you're the top guy at the club. No one, no other club would have let that happen. Never in a million years. They would have just gone uh, three years of scoring goals to from the start of the season from August to January when I left. They just said, okay, get rid of him. And it was never a case of George never said he was never good enough. It was like I just was unlucky. Um, but I was very lucky enough to play football, so you weigh things up at the end of your career and you just think, okay, wrong time. Wow. Um, fast forward, 2002-2003, you're in the second tier with Forrest. Yeah. It's Paul Hart. Yeah. Um, I, I really like this team, uh, with Des Walker at the back yeah. and Marlon Harewood. Um, and, and you're back to your classic form. Yeah. Uh, 20 goals in the first 23 games. Game number 23 was very significant. Up against Ipswich and you scored... You scored yeah. twice. Yeah, I think um, that was the fastest somebody had got there. Um, I think the game was November, was it? When yeah, I played it? Pass, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I think it was October, November, and I'd already scored 20 league goals. <laughs> um, and I always believed. In I remember my... Hughes for West Brom. Yeah, yeah really he scored. Fast, he scored. Thirty by Christmas. Yeah, yeah, and he got given a Mazda. <laughs> 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 yeah, and I can always remember that. I never had any self-belief that I couldn't score. It was literally, you put me in a team that played like Ipswich and Forest at the time, and you got into areas I, I could score. I was injured for the first year, unfit for little bits because of not playing. So when we sort of like got this team together, um, it was very, very similar to um, the Kieran Dyer Ipswich team that hit the playoffs. And people say, you know, who was the better team? It, it would have been a, it, it, it's a difficult one because if I look at both of them, I think so. Who was the better goalkeeper out of Richard Wright and oh, I forgot his name. He's actually here now. Um, his goalkeeping coach, Darren Ward. You would have potentially at the time said, well, Richard Wright all day long but you look at Wright's career and he's not played loads afterwards but at the time he was the next big thing so you see Wright in goal right back um, Matthew Lujan was excellent but I would have taken Trico all day long right back left it doesn't matter what position he was <laughs> playing and the two centre-halves Dawson and Walker oh, talk to, can you just talk to me about Des Walker he was um because um, he must be 36. He was 36 at the 37, time. 37, yeah. He was... He's saying the piss in that, didn't he? <laughs> didn't train. So no. He just rolled up on match day. <laughs> and he... W- winner. He knew how to defend. He was unbelievable that year. Um, 
and he was just a leader for us on and off the field. And he had a young Michael Dawson next to him who became top international player, etc. And he was he, he was basically the Tony Mowbray yeah, exactly, yeah. of that team. Um, so you know, they were very the t- players in midfield like Andy Reid, Matt Holland, and you know at the time would have been Gareth Williams. Matt was probably better. Jim and Jilton. It would have been a blend of the two top teams, but as in both sides, clubs the same. Um, both managers believed in the same thing. What about Hayward? Play Marlon um, was uh, like he a gets quick, a bit bad bad rap, doesn't he, he? He was probably quicker than he was a quicker Scoey. Scoey was really intelligent. That would link up play. And you ask Marcus, me and Marlon had a bitter rivalry. Like I'd pass to him, but he wouldn't pass to me. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. If you, if you it, it, I think he was on the Forest's website. And people said, oh, Marlon's... And virtually every goal, I'd roll to him or etc. But he never passed to me, I think, once. But we wanted to be top goal scorers. So our rivalry was we'd shoot on target and he would score, I would score. And that's what took us up because we were rivals, basically, where at Ipswich, everyone played to my strengths, everyone else's strengths, and we just scored goals and enjoyed it. Amazing. Um... You come back to Portman Road for the first time. Stupid game, ridiculous. It was a four-three, four-three win. No goal for you for you this yeah. time, but big. As I remember, a nice. I remember you got yeah. substitute. Nice ovation. Yeah, it was. Um, like I said, the first Complete time I've been down. Ipswich thought they were like a bigger, the, one of the bigger clubs because they'd just been relegated, and obviously Forest had been in the Championship a little bit longer. Uh, we were a young team. You still had Bent and a few ex leftovers from the ones that had been so well, and then the ones that would go. So it was an experienced game, um, and I can just remember. How was it to be back though? It was, it was weird. A, it was a, it was amazing. The hardest thing was is that you know the song they used to sing, and I never got the chance to actually you know, go over to them and everyone and just applaud them. Everyone stood up and applauded me off and I think it was very nice. But I just wanted to say thank you for, you know, four unbelievable years and, you know, he was lucky that somebody else called David Johnson had a song before me and they yeah, just yeah. gave me that one. So, yeah, that was probably the only bad thing. And people always say, you know, I see players now not celebrating when, you know, they play against their own. I find team. that really patronising. I do as well. Um, and I celebrated, and fans never, you know, tell me, you know, doing whatever, swearing, etc. It was just a norm. So after the game, I'd clap both sets of fans. But it became really funny that every time we played against you, I kept on scoring afterwards. It's two doubles, aren't Yeah, it? so, um, but yeah. It, Two teams so much alike how they played each other and we had better strikers on the day and that was probably the difference between the two teams because seven goal thrillers, you know, two alls, three alls and poor defending. <laughs> um, what Ipswich fans probably don't know um, is that you have another absolutely stupendous playoff game over in this yeah. unnamed stadium in, in Sheffield. So this is Forest versus Sheffield United. Um and you did score in this one. Uh, you're 2-0 up on 58, 2-2 on 68. You go down 4-3 in extra time. What is it with you and the 
That, how, how did that one compare to the Bolton uh, 4-3 or the Bolton 5-3? Literally, the, that was the same as the Bolton game that we won, but we were on the other end. Um, we were winning um, and playing very well, hitting them on the counter-attack. Obviously, I scored a few. And we knew we could keep scoring, but defensively, we were all over the place. And this is War- Warnock? Yeah, so instead of... Um, saying, come on lads, let's defend. Paul Hart never knew that. He was just right, keep going scoring more. And it was heartbreaking because I believe that team would have beaten Wolves or whoever in the fight. Do you know, just know when you have a team and, and you look at everyone in the playoffs and you think, if we get through Bolton, we knew we were going to beat Barnsley or Birmingham. That's exactly the same. We played Wolves at home a couple of weeks before we won two when I scored. Everyone who was around us Forrest had beaten, and I knew that if we'd have beaten Sheffield United that day, we'd have gone on to win, um, but hey, hell. When people look back and they look at the career, yeah, is there going to be an unfair, this guy was brilliant in the second tier and he didn't do it oh, in oh, the Premier League? Yeah, well, I hope, and you know, people say, you know, about how did you see it? And I said, I was an average footballer when I had the chance in the Premier League four games didn't really go that well but Daryl Murphy who was the last player who scored 20 goals here and I saw on Twitter the other day he scored his 100th league goal and I'd done that by the time I was 23, 24 <laughs> so when I look at others and I think alright I wasn't, I wasn't that bad and then you know, a lot of people said, oh, if you could pick one strike to come back now, who would it be? You know, they pick others. And I look at their records, I think, well, I've beaten all of those. None of them got to 30s and consistently hip switch. 30s so, don't happen anymore, no, do they? So I, no, they don't. Um, I actually think that I was a good lower league footballer. I, I don't have anything to say, oh, you could have been this, you could have been that. No. Just quick, quick yeah, questions. Yeah. Um, just quickly before we do this, we're recording this on the Tuesday before yeah. Ipswich go to Leeds. Yeah. Your old captain, yeah. Matt Holland, came out on the radio yeah. yesterday, and oh, how can I how can I say nicely? Was very revealing about when when you look at Ipswich now. How, yeah. how do you feel? I look at Ipswich um, probably at the same time as when I was at Forest that. They're, they're nearly at rock bottom. If they fall out of the championship, I worry for the club. When I left Forest at the time, they got relegated. And you don't see any way back because you want that bloke on a white horse with bags full of cash to come along and to rescue. Otherwise, you cannot get out of those leagues when you're a club like Ipswich Town and how do you attract um, players great stadium fine training ground good support when it's doing well so I look what Matty said I think he said everything was spot on Um, I've worked in recruitment for a long time and Alex Ferguson all the top managers would tell you you're only as good as your players and I think that the players he brought in there was a lot of nine um, 
are struggling to adapt to the championship and the championship's tough. The top teams spending 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 million. Ipswich are scraping the barrel of what they spent. And Ipswich, when I came in, we brought players from the lower divisions or released from championship clubs. But everyone had had ex experience in the championship. Even when I came, I'd scored seven goals in the championship. That was eight. more than eight, was more than what <laughs> they had. So everyone had had a good experience. Do you think that's the that's the big difference? Yes, where these players now, and I speak to James Scowcroft today about it, you take the bottom 10 in the Premier League, I'd say six bottom, and the top championship clubs, that's like a mini Premier League. And you're expecting lads that have come from to compete, you can't anymore because... There's players on the opposition will earn more money than probably the Ipswich Town team put together. The levels now uh, are getting higher and higher at the top end. And when you read about Nottingham Forest signing one player who's got potential for 15 million, and you're signing, what, what did he spend in the summer? Probably 5 million on three or four players. Yeah, and after you've got rid of your best players. It's, that's a hard task, and I think that Matty, I think the manager will have another month, um, and I think they will not let it go past December the 1st, because they'll give a new manager time to bed in and a transfer window. But I honestly don't believe whoever comes in can make that team any better, because it's the players. They've been unlucky, but nine players, that's... It's a lot to ask um, to change around, so I, I feel for them really. Interesting. Um, let's go through bash through these, yeah. Jono. Um, Vinna Maipo, tell us what was going through your mind when you went down injured in the playoff final. I think we covered yeah. that, haven't we? Uh, Chris Palmer, does Jono fancy being a switch manager? Uh, no, <laughs> I, I'm too short tempered, hot headed. Uh, to ever go into that type of environment. Um, Adam Flat, ask him what he's made of the shambles that is Ipswich. Like I've just said, I found that I watched Shrewsbury last year, thought Paul Hurst did an unbelievable job. I thought he was perfectly suited to Ipswich Town, of how they played. Uh, the players worked very hard at Shrewsbury and they played very good football. And I looked at the other options, the Lincoln, the two boys at Lincoln, and I think the, the reason why people haven't gone all out to get uh, the Crowley brothers, Crowley brothers, is because people aren't, don't like that style of football. Ipswich have had three, four years under Mick, successful, of that style of football, but it only lasts a certain time where if you're not winning or you're not there, People are bored. It's not fun, is it? It's not fun. And I think that's the reason why, at the two candidates that I thought would be perfect for Ipswich, I can see why they went for Paul Hurst. And unfortunately, his recruitment has let him down. Because I do believe that if he had the same teams that probably Mix have had, etc., he could have probably got them playing and doing very well. And the players probably enjoying the football. Uh, but the players he's brought in aren't good enough. Interesting. This is Tim. Uh, biggest regret, biggest achievement? Uh, biggest regret. 
Well, I don't really have any. Yeah, I could have gone to the World Cup with Jamaica and you know played against Argentina and whatever. But um, my biggest achievement was becoming a professional footballer. Um, I don't even have to look <laughs> at the career. He was becoming a professional footballer and doing something that it was a hobby, became a job, and it was it was amazing. Um, James, <laughs> you played at Dion Dublin. You played with Dion Dublin at Manchester United. Were the Fergie rumours true? Are we talking about Dion's appendage here? Oh, Are yeah. Are we really doing yeah, that? Yeah, it, it was massive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> should, we, should we move on? Yeah, move yeah. on, yeah. Uh, this is Mullet. How did it feel when you came to ITFC? Was it a club other teams and players respected? Do you feel it's now seen in a similar way or has the game moved on? I didn't really know too much. All I knew that, that about the history and what they'd achieved, and there's some great players, and you know, going back and obviously chasing Dizelles around, uh, Walkie was about, and you look, you only have to walk down that corridor and it's steeped in history, and through like that run of twenty odd games, we went from thirteen thousand to actually selling out. And when Ipswich is sold out under a night and Sunderland game, Bolton game, the place is fantastic. And it's a one football club town. And you just need to get them back to where they are and you will sell out. And I think it's a very respected football club. And like people say, the Ipswich way is a footballing town, footballing club. They want to see good football. And I think sometimes... That's what's held it back, um, but it's very similar to Forest. Every manager comes in there, you see somebody booting the ball, the fans just go, no, 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 we're not paying to watch this. So, no. Yeah, I think I think they both put themselves under a lot of pressure from what they've achieved uh, back then, and, and fans want to see the next generation of an Ipswich coach, managers come through and, you know, have a bit of Ipswich Town pride back, you know, um, this is Harry. Um, best memory at Ipswich kind of done that. Yeah. How much do you hate Norwich? Are you players? Do you bothered by that oh, stuff? So my thing about this is that people say to me, "Oh, you've played in the East Anglia Derby, the East Midlands Derby, the Steel Derby. Which was the best one?" Well, they were just another team to me. Mm. I wasn't born in Ipswich. Beating them, great. That was nice. Five now. Beating Derby was nice, but it didn't actually mean anything to me. And playing in this one didn't mean anything because it wasn't. I was never brought up to hate another team or, you know, they're our rivals. They weren't rivals like two teams in one city. They were miles away. Mm. But I enjoyed the games because the atmosphere was. It wasn't electric. It was more. Hatred, and you could you could <laughs> feel it, and and sometimes that that was funny, but it, it, for me, I still preferred playing against Sheffield United. All the big clubs like Birmingham at the time would sell out. Sunderland go to the Stadium of Light, and I know we got beat two one, but playing in front of forty or that, they're the games that you you love playing in. Mm. You know, if Norwich aren't in the top two and they're in the bottom when we're playing, you're not bothered. Uh, Beanie says, "Blue hair, don't care." Hashtag legend. Yeah, yeah that was um, that was funny. I just what was thought, it? Was it actually I, 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 food colouring or something? Yeah, something like that. 
after I went in the bath and the blue was going everywhere, the lads were fuming. <laughs> and, it, and I got out and it was yellow and green and they were going, oh my God, have you seen the state of you? And I was like, oh, how long do I have to wash this out for? But yeah, it was perfect for the day. Amazing. Uh, Simo, do you think Burley has been out of the game too long to have another crack? I actually read this before and I don't believe he, it's not a case of being out of the game. You always love football and I know where George has been at games and etc. He'll have more passion than any other manager to take over. But what George would have to do is to get in Brian next to him. Brian Clue. Yeah, a, a Kieran Dyer, a Matty Holland. People who, well not Matty because I don't know if he's done his coaching badge, but people who can do all that coaching and George then to use his experience. They do the training every day, get some good recruitment in and he can be a manager where let the others be the coaches and I think that George's experience of what he's done I, I would say yeah but it's going to be tough for whoever comes in um, this is Luke last one uh, asked about players from lower leagues is it asking too much of them to all step up at the same time 100% 100% and and we've been through, sorry Johnny, we've yeah. been through your team, yeah. two here, two there, two here, but two the, here. The Ipswich model, if I ever brought a football club, I would model it on how Ipswich worked at the time. Um, if you've got a top player coming through, a young lad, play him in the team, Dyer. build the team around him, say, thanks very much son, on your way, next one comes in, take the money and start rebuilding the little bit of the money you've made and and then buy the players. The next one comes in, blah, 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 on your way. The next one comes in. And yes, we knocked on the door three times. But the fourth time we got it right. And if you have that patience to, if you're selling, I know you sold your top under 16 player, etc., and it gets reinvested back in there, great. But in the championship, you can have 15 good games and you can sell it for five, six, seven million. <laughs> And that's what I think the fans have to realise at times. It's all right selling your best player if you reinvest in. What Ipswich got to go back to is getting better quality players coming through. And they have got a few here. Put them in the team and don't care that if it's competitive or not. But if you sold Andre Dizelle or um, the other boy for five, ten million and reinvest it and you keep bringing them through. Because at the time, they were... Darren Bent was like a little boot boy when I was here. And they were saying to me, he's going to be a top, top player. He's 15, 16 years old. But they had the succession. But they had players coming through constantly. And that's what's got to, Ipswich's got to start producing these players. But they've got them. But a manager's just got to be brave enough to say, you're playing. I'm going to give you 10 games. And build a team around, you know, your better players. But these boys have got to give them a chance because... Ben Barrett and uh, going back to Oliver Burke, 13 games and they sold for oh, 13 million. Yeah. So why doesn't everyone think, let's get our young lads through. If they do all right, you're guaranteed to get some money in and that's what's going to happen. Otherwise, you can't compete in the championship because the top teams now, they've got billionaire owners that want to get that prize money, TV money, get in the Premier League. And that's where Ipswich need to start thinking outside the box. Absolutely. Um, thank you so much for, for no, coming on. Um, what are your sort of ambitions, just as a bloke now, for uh, the agency stuff? And I, I enjoy being in football. Uh, it's an, something that I know 
Um, I love watching games. Um, and, you know, I get to watch my son as well coming through and basically just stay in football watching my son and watching the other young players that I've signed to come through and hopefully touch wood, go on to become professional footballers or whatever level. Amazing. Um, have you just quick message for the Ipswich fans and for the listeners? Hang on in there. <laughs> well, literally, it, it, I know. For players, it's a job. For fans, that players come and go, like myself, and had great times, etc. But for the fans, it's you know hard-earned money to keep going back, and they've had a tough couple of years, and then you get a new manager in, and then you know within three months, people have just had enough, and and sometimes I think it has to come from the top as well. Everything's got to change, but it's it's not pretty at the minute, but. I wish them all the best and hopefully they win, you know, against Leeds and it turns it round, but I can't see them winning. <laughs> Jono, nearly two hours it says on there. Oh, wow. So gracious with your time. We'll no, probably no, put that into two podcasts. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Keep in it's touch. It's been amazing. Thank you. Cheers. Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping. But in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.